is an epidemic that is happening. Like, and it's serious. And it's, it's, I don't know, you might know about it, you may not know about it, so I need to tell you about it, so you do know about it. And I got, I got hit by it last week. I go last week to Chick-fil-A, and the dining room is still closed, okay? This is serious. Like, are we supposed to eat Christian chicken in the car? I can't do that. I mean, I need the interaction. I need to hear my pleasure. Say my pleasure. Oh, my pleasure. I just trained you to work at Chick-fil-A. My pleasure. I need that interaction, and I'm not getting it. So we need to pray, first of all, for the holy bird, because that's got to change. Secondly, the, the bigger epidemic is this. Um, say blindsided. You know how some of us have been blindsided during this season? One of the biggest ways we've been blindsided and what we see happening in our community is um, loneliness and isolation is uh, at an all-time high. And it's not just because of the COVID season, though that has not helped. That's amplified it. But it's, it's been happening long before that. And I did a study this, or I did some studies on loneliness this week since I knew that was one of the big topics. And here's what I found. Loneliness has been, been linked to an early death. Like literally, like people die earlier because of loneliness. And it makes sense. I mean, mental illness is connected to it. Emotional uh, instability, even our physical health is connected to it. So one study, and I don't know, you can take this or leave this, but one study said um, they've linked, uh, no, no, how do you say it? He said loneliness, it, loneliness is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Now, I don't know how, I, I don't understand how they come up with some of these stats. I'm like, what do you do? Like, like, let's say, hey, who wants to volunteer for something? Ma'am? Yeah, yeah, come up here. I'm going to have you go over here and just hang out in this room by yourself for a while. Uh, sir, yeah, we'll have you come up here. We're going to give you, you know, a few cartons of Marlboros, and you're going to smoke like 15 of those a day, and, you know, let's see who wins. And they're like, well, how do we know who wins? Oh, we'll know. We'll know. We'll know. Um, I don't know how that works, but I do know that loneliness is deadly. I do know that the stats that I found, and here's what's interesting. Not only is loneliness linked to an earlier death, the younger you are, sorry to say it, Gen Zers, right? The younger you are, the more lonely you are. And, and, and that's what a, a chart that showed Gen Z, which is 20 years old and younger, all the way through the elderly, and this line literally went up as you got younger. And I thought to myself, and, and the weird thing is, the, the younger generations are more connected socially than ever, right? They got the social platforms, they've got that kind of thing going on. And some of you might be thinking, well, that's the problem anyway. That's why it's that way. It's the dang internet. It's the dang technology. Dang 5G. And 5G, I'm just going to say it. 4G is not fast enough for us, is it? Like, like, it sends a signal from Earth to a satellite back to Earth in less than a second. And we're like, no. No, we're going to need the 5G. I'll just date myself. Does anybody remember what slow is? Does anybody remember dial-up internet? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, you, you, I know. I get it. So... Okay, let me just explain it to you really quick. So you would literally have to connect to the internet through a telephone, a landline. Yeah, okay, forget it. I know you don't know what that is either. So, but, but, but you would connect, and it would try to connect, and you'd hear all these noises like, and it sounds like your computer's like going to blow up or have a baby. I'm like, holy crap. And then when you finally get connected, your moron friend will call you, kick you off the internet in the middle of your online poker game, and you lose all your money. Not that that's ever happened to me, but I mean, for some people, it could have. It's ins it was insane. So your 5G, I don't, I, what, it's just not fast enough. I'm like, it took a second. Anyway, so, but here's the deal with technology, and I'll talk about it today, but that's not the overall arching issue. 
technology, it, I, I put, it's not a tech problem, it's a human problem. Technology just reveals it. Like, it, but, but loneliness and isolation has been around for a long time. You remember, like way back in Genesis, when God was creating Remember what he said the problem was? He's creating the land and the seas and the, the animals. And then he creates man and he says, this isn't good. You remember what he said isn't good that he created? That's right, cats. I mean, seriously. He looked at me and he said, you know what? Ah, dang it. Well, I already done it now. So I might as well just leave them wandering around and being weird. So I don't hate cats. You probably have a cat. I don't hate them. I don't. I don't. But they're weird. I don't trust them. They'll either cuddle up next to you and want you to you know, pet them, or they'll rip your eyeballs out. I don't know which. So I can't, I can't take that chance. But actually, that's not what he said. He said it's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. That's the first thing God said wasn't good in, in creation. He looked at Adam and said, that it ain't good that you're alone. You need someone to do life with. And so do you, and so do I. And the disconnection that we're facing today, say disconnect. Disconnect. The disconnection that we're facing today, it's a human problem. Here's what technology will do, though. I put technology reveals and magnifies what's already in you. So, so the loneliness or the despair or even the dysfunction or the addiction, technology will just speed it along. That's, that's what it will do. Like, like people will say, oh, they had the affair because of Facebook. No, no. They had the affair because of their heart. They had the affair because of the lack of accountability. They had the affair because of the wandering eyes. Facebook just sped up the process. I mean, it's, 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 technology's a tool. It is. You use it for good, you use it for bad. You want to connect to family? You're going to use technology, and it will help you do that. You're a workaholic? You're going to connect to te technology, and it will let you work around the clock as much as you want. You want to promote a, a cause, a good cause that's special to you or meaningful to you? You use technology to promote it, and it helps you. You want to share your political views with others, telling them how dumb they are, even though you've never had a conversation with them and don't even know their views? Okay, you shouldn't even use technology. I just got to say, you should not. Like, your next step, go in the parking lot when you leave. Not now, because I want to talk to you. But when you leave, put your phone down in the parking lot, and then just drive over it like seven times. Okay? <laughs> That's doing us all a favor. So, actually, I did drive over my phone in a parking lot once. Not seven times, but once. On accident. Fell out of my pocket. Didn't know it. Uh, went in reverse. Heard something. It was my phone. It still worked. I couldn't see a thing. It was so cracked. But my phone worked. But guess what parking lot it was? No, no, Walmart. Okay, does anything good happen at that place? I'm not, I couldn't, what next? Why do I keep doing it? I don't know. So, Walmart. Technology just reveals and magnifies what's already in you. The dysfunctions, the gambling, the addiction, technology is going to speed it along. It's just going to help, but it's a tool, good or bad. It's a tool. We've never been more connected. We've never been more alone. We've never been more connected. We've never been more alone. If you're feeling disconnected today, God brought you here for a message. If you're feeling lonely or isolated today, God brought you here for a message. If you're feeling like you could be in, the, in, a, in a room with other people and still feel like you're all by yourself, God brought you here for this message. If you, if you find yourself surfing the internet and going down all these rabbit holes and pretty soon five minutes turn into five hours and then you get done, you're mad at yourself because I've wasted all this time and I still feel horrible about myself because I just watched everybody else's highlight reel, this message is for you. This message is for anybody that has this disconnect in them. And there's many of us that do. It's, it's time to disconnect and then reconnect. And that's what we're talking about. But I believe with all my heart, there's two things that have to happen. If we're really going to reconnect in a way with others and with God, that's going to drive us to our purpose and help you live the life that God purposed and planned for you. The first thing is this. We literally have to connect with others. Now, when I say connect with others, 
I'm not just, certainly not just talking, um, texting. I'm not talking social media. I'm talking like conversations. Nobody has conversations anymore. Am I the only one that notices this? Nobody, nobody. I mean, if I sit down and talk to you, I'm going to tell you about my life and what I want. And, you know, you might talk to me, but I'm not listening because I'm thinking about how I'm going to respond. We don't converse anymore. It's like we share an opinion, we share what we want to share, and then we just want the other person to just listen and shut up, and we just keep talking. We don't, it's like we want to share our social statuses in real time, and that's it. Or worse yet, and maybe you've done this, we get with somebody face-to-face to have a conversation, and we're maybe, maybe we're going to tell them about our, our vacation, and we use technology to do it. We pull out our phone, we're like, oh yeah, here we are at the beach, look at that. Oh, here we are, here we're at the bar, there, you know, here we are. Okay, forget you saw that one. Okay, forget that. But uh, um, anyway, so we, we use technology to tell a story. Look at my selfie. Isn't that perfect? And some of you, you've, you've, you've mastered the selfie, haven't you? Like, I was downtown. I, a friend of mine was in town from Phoenix last weekend. So my family, we took him downtown to the old market area. And we're walking, and I see this girl in an in a alley. And she's, she's by herself with a brick background, and she's getting the selfie ready. And she's like, you know, and I'm just watching. I'm like, this is entertaining. And she's getting ready, and then she's like, does the other side I mean she was doing I'm like how many selfies does it take to come up with like how many shots does it take to get that perfect selfie that you're happy with I I'm convinced I think three three shots of tequila and then every picture looks great right I mean I'm serious yeah this is awesome I'm just kidding kids don't okay they call it tequila for a reason I it's not good so tequila three and she, she took probably 40 and she was just on fire so um when I talk about connecting with others, I would say the biggest thing I'm telling you this is listen. Is listen. Say listen. People don't listen anymore. We talk to talk, and they're talking, and we're formulating a response to what they're saying, and we don't even really even care. Like my wife will even tell me, Monty, you, you don't listen, or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what she said, but uh, <laughs> it's just kidding. So, uh, but I'm not the best at it, but we need to get better at it. Biblically, um, you know what? I, I, I skipped something here. This is huge because... You think, you think it's important we maybe share God's word? I mean, I, I'm just saying, we're a church. So Ecclesiastes, I haven't taught out of Ecclesiastes hardly at all. And God has led me there the last two weekends. So last weekend, I taught, about, I taught on Ecclesiastes. It's a book in the Old Testament. If you open your Bible, like in the middle, you'll be, you know, it's like, what is it? Psalm, Proverbs, Proverbs, Psalms, and then Ecclesiastes, right? In the, I don't know the exact order, but um, what? You act like I'm a pastor. So, um, so it's in the middle of the book, and you'll see it. Ecclesiastes, I preached on it last weekend, and sometimes it's hard for me because it can be a depressing book. Like, it, it, it can depress me because Solomon, who writes it, a king, he's, he's walked away from God. He's, he's reflecting on life, and it sucks, and he's like, oh, it's just hard, and nothing matters, and we talked about that last week. But he shares wisdom because he's still a very wise guy, a very wise king. And Solomon shares something that I want to share with you about relationships that is key. Ecclesiastes 4, you might recognize this. Like if you've been to a wedding and you, you, you've seen a unity ceremony, you know, the unity candle, the unity sand, you know, the unity cross, the unity braid, the unity puzzle. I mean, I, there's a lot of unity things. I, you know, what you should do for me this week, share the weirdest unity ceremony that you've ever seen and just tag medals in it, okay? I want to know what they are. I would do it, but I've, I've married some of the people, so I don't want to... I did no. I, they're all, all, all the ones I've done, I've loved them, but there's some weird ones out there. But during the unity ceremony, a lot of times Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is read. But Solomon didn't write it just for people getting married. We read it in marriage or weddings all the time. But that's not really all it's written for. It's for people in general. This is what he says. This is key. Two people are far better off than one 
for they can help each other succeed. We could stop right there. You won't live your God-given purpose without connecting to others. And when I say connecting to others, I'm not talking about just anybody. Well, I got, you know, I got my kids or I got a friend. Are they pointing, are they encouraging you? Are they lifting you up? Are they challenging you? Do they hold you accountable? Do they help you succeed? That's the key. Verse 10, if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. They can encourage. They can be there. If someone who falls alone, they're in real trouble, Solomon writes. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other, each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. And I'm telling you, one of the, devil, one of the devil's number one things in his arsenal is this. Like the devil, I say, the devil doesn't need to defeat you. All he needs to do is get you alone. All he needs to do is get you isolated and depressed about it because then you're already defeated. That's what he knows. That's what he uses. But two can stand back to back and conquer. And then, even better than two is what? Three. Three are better than two for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So many people are doing life alone, especially in the season that we're in. So many people are surrounded by other people but, are, but, are, but are feel more isolated than they've ever felt. We need to get these things back. I already shared connecting with others is a huge piece of it. And when I say connecting, I've already shared with you listening. So I'll go from Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament to James in the New Testament. So in James 1.19, this is what he says. This is the half-brother of Jesus. You must all be quick to listen, which we're really not if we're honest, slow to speak, which we're not if we're honest, and slow to get angry, which, again, I can be 0 for 3 in all those areas. And that's, but that's huge. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. The longer you listen to somebody, the more you're going to hear things that people never hear. We don't listen just to listen. Here's a test for you this week, or here's a question to challenge yourself with. When is the last time you've asked somebody a question about them and just listened? Not to respond. You've literally asked a question about them, and then you just listen, not to respond. Think about that. One of the, one of the ways we train our welcome team here at the church, because we're big on loving other people, or we want to be, uh, like our host team, our welcome team, the guest services team, we train them to ask questions. To ask you, guests, questions. Like, ask them how they hear about Meadows. Ask them about their family. Did they grow up here? We want to do that because we want you to know that we care. Like, we want to hear about your story. Who do people like talking about? What? Themselves, right? So, we as followers of Jesus should be prompting questions and listening to others. I'm not just talking about, hey, how you doing? And then hoping they just say good and you move on. Have you ever had somebody do the other thing and actually answer it? Oh, it'll, it'll throw you off because you expect just, oh, good. Hey, how you doing? Well, hey, thanks for asking. You know, actually, I'm doing horrible today. Actually, it all started back in the second grade when Billy, the, the bully, jumped out of the bushes and scared me. You know, and, all, and you're like, crap, I didn't really mean it. And then you're stuck for the next hour hearing them. Okay? Not, you listen to listen. Answer or ask questions. When you listen, you're going to connect with others. When you connect with others, you're going to connect with God. You might just connect with yourself. It's amazing what God will do when you put the focus on somebody else, how it will impact you. But it doesn't happen hardly anymore. You listen to conversations. You watch people communicate via text or social media or even face-to-face. -face. It's not happening. We have to legitimately connect. We also have to confess. Say confess. Connecting to others and confessing to others. 
This, is, this one's a little bit more difficult than the first because I think it could be easy to say, oh, I'm connected to people. I got people in my life. Again, I'll go back to, are they raising you up? Are they challenging you? Are they encouraging you? Do they hold you accountable? Can you tell them anything and know that it's safe? That's what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about a friend to go to the bar with. I had a lot of those, you know, but this is different. But confession, <clears throat> see, it's not, it's not foreign to me. I grew up in a Catholic church, going to Catholic grade school. Confession happened every three months, whether I wanted it to or not. And I didn't want it to. So I'm telling you, it, and it, was, it, it changed in the fifth grade when they said, Monty, now you're, that you're a fifth grader, you don't have to go behind the screen anymore to confess to the priest. You can go face to face. And I'm like, I'll go behind the screen. Thank you. You know, I ain't going face to face. I'm not doing it. And I didn't do it. And not only did I confess to the, the priest behind the screen, but I changed my voice so he wouldn't know it was me. So it was, it was weird. I'm just being honest with you. He'd be like, son, tell me when your last confession was. And I was like, my last confession was three. He probably thought he was giving a, hearing a confession from Little Red Riding Hood. I don't know. I mean, but he knew. Say he knew. He knew. He knew it was me. Confession doesn't happen. And you might be thinking, why do I have to confess? You, you, I, I only need to confess to God. Like Jesus, I don't have to go to a priest anymore. You don't have to come to me anymore. And you don't for forgiveness. Did you know that? Like today, if you've done things you don't, you're not proud of and you're sinning in areas of your life that, you're, that you know you shouldn't be sinning in, you can ask God for forgiveness. And if you have a repentant heart, like a heart that says, I don't want to do that anymore, you can ask God today and he'll forgive you. And you can be healed from all that. Actually, I, I, I phrased that wrong because what you're going to find is you can be forgiven from all that, but you won't be healed. Don't take my word for it. Let's go to the word of God. Back to James. Confess your sins to each other. I'm going to read it again. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Do you know how many people are walking around forgiven but bleeding? Forgiven but wounded? Forgiven but still dying a slow death? This is huge. See, my Catholic church had something going on that was right. You know, confessing to somebody else is powerful for healing. It is rare. And I'm telling you, let's continue. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So James is correlating confession with when you confess, it will make you more righteous. When you're more righteous, your prayers actually become more powerful. See, not all prayers are heard the same. The way we live... The way we act, the way we obey, determines how our prayers are heard. It's not just, I'm going to pray to God and God's going to hear my prayers as much as he hears your prayers. No, he's not. No, he's not. I'll do a, I'll do a whole sermon on prayer and show you many different things that impact your prayer. This is one of them. The prayer of a righteous person. Confess your sins to each other. And we avoid confession. Do you know why? Do you know why I didn't want to go to confession when they made me go to confession when I was in fifth grade and fourth grade and sixth grade? I didn't want to go because it made me look in the mirror. It made me face the things that I was doing wrong. And I, I, no one, no, who likes that? Nobody likes that. I wrote down it required me to take ownership. I had to admit when I messed up, when I stole that candy bar from the bakery, when I lied to my mom, when I did all these stupid things. And that's who we are, and that's what we do. Somebody asked me in the welcome center just this morning, are we born inherently good or inherently bad? Well, I know we want to believe we're born inherently good, but we're not. We're born with sin. And, I, and we're bent towards uh, needing confession because we do things wrong. I remember when Jake and Ava, my two uh, youngest kids, when they were small, 
I would literally see Jake slug Ava. And I'm like, Jake, did you just hit your sister? He's like, no. I'm like, okay, I'll rephrase it. Jake, I saw you just hit your sister. He's like, no. I'm like, okay, I could have it recorded and show it to him. He'd be like, that ain't me. I'm like, it's just what we do. We don't want to admit it. We don't want to go there. It's easier to blame somebody else, deflect, don't take ownership. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. That's why people are walking around not healed because they're not confessing. They're not owning it. This is a big one, church. I'm telling you, for you to live your purpose, confession has to happen to somebody else. And some of you, if you're honest, you've never confessed to somebody else, ever. Praise God, I'm so glad you're here. Thank God you're here because people need to know this truth, walking around dying on the inside. We can't blame our parents anymore. We can't blame the way we were brought up, the community that we grew up in, the teacher that we had, what happened to me. I'm not saying what happened to you was bad, wasn't good or was good, but you can't keep using that as an excuse, right? The school system, the government, doesn't matter. If you don't, if it, God won't address what you won't confess. Let's put it that way. You want God to address things in your life. You're praying for him to address areas of your life that you're dying in. He won't do it. He won't. You confess it, he says. He gives you his word, says confess it to somebody else. I'll help heal you. That's what he says. I don't want to confess it to anybody else. He says that's where the power is. That's why I created you to do life together. That's why it's so important that you get the first point and you connect to somebody else because you confess something. That's so key that you... Okay, let me get personal. When I was in my addiction, for, for like three years, I was just dysfunctional, messed up, lying, blaming, deflecting, anything to get the spotlight off me. Because as long as the spotlight is off me, no one's going to look at me to think I'm doing anything wrong. Uh, I'm not the problem. Uh, she's the problem. They're the problem. He's the problem. That's the problem. All the time for three years. One day, I'm driving home miserable. I've shared the story before. In my car, I was, I was dying, and I wanted to die. I, I was done. Didn't get busted, didn't get caught, nothing. And I was driving home on a February day, I'll never forget it, and I'm walking up the stairs, and this is when it happened. Jody's up in the bedroom, and we sit down on the bed, and this is after three years of lying to counselors. I mean, you would be scared to hear the whole story. But So we sit up in the bed, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, I'm addicted to drugs. And I'm, you want to talk blindsided? Oh, my gosh, she, she didn't see that coming. She saw, I mean, if I would have said I'm having an affair, I, I'm embezzling money, I think she would have like, okay, I get it. But, she, but addicted to drugs, I mean, she just was just crushed. But I will tell you, that February day is the day that the healing began in my life. It did not begin when I went to rehab the first time. It did not begin when I went to rehab the second time. If you're a first-time guest, you welcome home. Yep, I've been there twice. Um, it did not begin when I stepped back into a church after 15 years, it did not begin when I surrendered my life to Jesus. It began that February day, up in my bedroom, sitting on the bed, looking at my wife, saying, I'm a drug addict. The healing began. It was, it, healing can be painful. If you've been wounded, you know the healing process normally isn't fun, but the healing has to happen. And I'm telling you, I would have never experienced it if I would not have come to terms. God helped me do it. I don't know how. I couldn't have done it. It's, it's amazing. You have to speak it. You've got to tell somebody. You've got to speak it out loud, too. You've got to say it to somebody. And what I'm not advocating, because some of you might get excited about this message, you're like, okay, I need to confess. Okay, do not go home and stand in your driveway. I'm having an affair, right? And I'm drunk. No, don't, don't do that, okay? 
unless you hate your neighbors, then just keep doing that every day. They will move, I promise. So don't do that. Let's not take it that far. But you will find safe people. God will put safe people around you. You probably, you might have some right now. And if you don't, I'll give you an opportunity. Life groups are the biggest piece of this church that we do life together. A life group is a small group that meets during the week. They are safe environments. Um, They are secure environments. They are confidential environments. They are life-changing environments. I put the more people open up in those groups, the more vulnerable they become, the more real they get, the more healing they're experiencing. And they're experiencing healing. And you may not confess it to the entire group, but you'll find somebody in that group, I guarantee you'll connect at least one person in that group, and you'll say something maybe more personal to them than you would to even the group. But you'll find them in the group. You'll find them in the group. You'll find them in the group. One morning, we're setting up for church. This is two months ago. We're setting up for church. I'm walking back here, and this person comes up to me out of the blue, and I know them. Been coming to Metals for like two years. And I mean, I was just kind of blindsided. Me came up and said, uh, pulled her phone out and said, yesterday was the first day I haven't looked at porn in years. And I was like, like, I was shocked. I didn't, I didn't show. I mean, it takes a lot to, to shock me. I mean, I've heard a lot of things. I've done a lot of things. I, I was shocked because, you know, I, I mean, she's a, a big part of the church. And when she said that, I thought, wow. And here's what I thought. How cool is this? How cool is this? That she can come up to me out of the blue. And she knows me. I know her. I have, I, I, yesterday's the first day you haven't looked at porn in years. And you know, what I, you know what I said? I'm so proud of you for telling me that. I couldn't believe it. And I told her, I said, here's what I told her. I said, I want you to tell somebody in your life group. And you know what she told me? I already have. And I thought, this, this is where the healing begins. This is where the, nothing you've done is going to shock anybody else if they love you. I shocked my wife more than she's ever been shocked, you know, but she pressed in and she loved me. She was tremendously hurt, but she loved me. She kept loving me. And I'm telling you, if you knew all the things I did, you would, again, probably run from Meadows Church. You won't surprise anybody. The power of a confession. I'm just telling you, when you admit it, say admit it. When you will admit it, Admit that you're not who you wish you were. Admit that you're not who people think you are. Admit that there are areas of your life that are far from okay. See, when you will do that, you know what happens? It will loosen the grip of the devil. And you will experience God's healing power like you've never experienced it before. I'm telling you. And the last thing the devil wants is for you to tell anybody. Don't you dare tell them about that secret. Don't you dare tell them about that affair. Don't you dare tell them about that addiction, that gambling, that, that, that dysfunction. Don't tell them. They won't love you. The devil's a liar. He lies. It is time, Father, that we disconnect to what's not leading to life and reconnect that what can lead to life. I believe it with all my heart. Disconnect from the areas that don't lead to purpose, healing, life change. Connect to what does. For us to connect to others, for us to even confess to others, here's what we have to do in our culture. Certainly in America, we have to slow down. You have to slow down. Most of you and me, many days, we do way too much. We try to shove so many things in, and we're hurrying, and we're rushing, and it's like, I'm getting so much done, but are you even heading in the right direction? Do you even think about what your, your direction determines your destination? Are the decisions that you're making even going to guide your, you 
closer to God, help you impact others for eternity, help you point anybody to Jesus, help you live your God-given purpose, or is it just busyness wasting time? Again, I'm preaching at me, trust me. I've wasted a lot of life doing things that led to nothing. And the devil says, this is awesome. He ain't sinning maybe today, but he's busy as heck. And as long as he's busy, he ain't doing nothing for Jesus. And that's where he wants you. And the busy lives that we lead, I wrote something down. Connection takes time, right? Confession, to find someone to confess with, that takes time. Relationships take time. Life groups take time. Listening takes time. Love. It takes time. Love has a speed. And it's slower than you, and it's slower than me. Never forget that. It's slower than you, it's slower than me. I wonder how many of us are outrunning the love that somebody wants to give us because we're in a hurry doing what we think we need to do. And God's sending people in our path, putting people in our way, chasing after us, and we're missing it because we're so busy, busy, busy. Wait, we live in such an insane culture and technology doesn't help it, I know that. Because we feel like we're missing out. I'm missing out on this, they're doing that. No, what you're missing out is on your purpose. You're missing out on spending time with family. You're missing time with, uh, I'm proud of you for being here today. A lot of places you can be on a Sunday morning and you chose to be in a place to hear a word from God. It excites me. Hurry kills intimacy with God and with others. Life groups, I'll go back to them for a second. The number one excuse I'll hear is I don't have the time. And I, I, I gave that same excuse when I went back in Sioux Falls before I was in a group, so you're not alone if you've said that. But yet we know that we have the time to do the things that are important to us. Everybody knows that. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So I thought, God, you want me to show them how important a life group is. Not to get frustrated, not to get mad. I, I literally will, I will only point you to things that will give you life. I have no desire to waste your time, trust me. Your lives are valuable. I will put you, I will, I will set you in a direction that will, that will lead you to purpose, I promise you. But so many things that we do don't do that. And if we look at where we spend our time during the week, a lot of us, you know, honestly, we spend a lot of time in front of Netflix or Hulu. We spend a lot of time, some of us game too much. Some of us are on social media way too much. I mean, we spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours doing all the things that ultimately don't matter. They don't matter. I'm not saying you shouldn't do any of them. Everything in moderation, right? I'm just saying, don't neglect what's most important for all the things that lead to nothing. The devil wants your days to, the, the days are long, but the years are short. Have you noticed that? I have. And the older I get, the more God shows me. It's a quick trip. God has so much for you. So I wrote down for you, a life group will connect you to others. Others that God has purposely set out for your path, for your purpose. You'll never know it if you never meet them. It'll connect you to God. It will allow you to build safe relationships where you can confess to others, pray for others, and live purpose. Last weekend, if you were here, we had buckets up here, and you wrote on a note card, what's holding you back from hoping, trusting, or believing? Flood it. I read them. Cry. Every time I read something like that. <laughs> oh, wow. So, well, you know what's crazy about those? I expect those to be anonymous. Mine was. I'm like, I'm writing stuff down. I'm like, ain't no one gonna say, I ain't put my name on that. In fact, I think I wrote it with my left hand in case they tried to decipher my handwriting. So I'm like, you ain't gonna know that's me. But there's always a couple people that 
put a name to it. And I always think, good for you. Good, you know what that tells me? They, not that you others didn't want it. I didn't put my name to it. And you don't have to, never do. But they did, and that tells me they, they really want to own it. And one of the gals, I'm not going to give you her name, but I'll tell you, she wrote some things down that she's wrestling with. And she gets personal, and at the bottom it says, and we didn't hardly talk about life groups, and then she says, I want to join a life group. And I thought, she ain't just writing about it. She ain't just talking about it. She wants to do it. And guess what? She did it this week. And God's going to use her and move in her. And amazing things are going to happen for her. I want the same thing for you. You don't have to do life alone. You don't have to do life alone anymore. It's time. Say it's time. It's time. It's time to connect to others today. It's time to confess to others. It's time to release the past. It's time to own your mess. The mess, the mistakes that you made, it's time to own your mess, right? No more running. No more blaming. No more excuses. I'm telling you, you can make excuses or you can make a difference, but you cannot do both. Somebody shout, it's time. It's time. Where are those drums? Where's that guitar? It is time, God. We need you to do something. We need you to move. I'll point you to life. I'll point you to something that will not waste your time. Your time's too valuable. Jesus did it. Jesus had a life group. If he did it, shouldn't we? 12 disciples. He invited them into a group. If they would have said no to the group, they would have never changed the world. And they were, they were the low on the totem pole. They were like, they were not scholars by any stretch. They were mediocre. They were sinners. And Jesus invites them to a life group. And in that life group, he used them to change the world. We have a life group table out in the welcome center by the coffee table. You can go there. There's going to be people after the service. You don't need to sign up. You just, you can look at the leaders. We put their pictures on there. You can say, you know what? That person looks weird. You know, you're not going to get in that life group, whatever. So, you know, you narrow it down. Um, but all the information is right there. You can also text life group, one word, to 474747. We'll send you information that way too. You don't commit to anything. I'm not selling anything besides your purpose and life for you. And to stop wasting your life and start living it. That's all I'm asking. I'm preaching not at you, I hope, but with you. Trust me, I still waste a lot of time in my life today. But I want to waste less than I did yesterday. All the life groups, I'm pretty sure, are meeting in person. If you're not ready for that, you can still zoom into the meetings, but they're all meeting in person. Um, that's the next step for somebody. I hope you go out to the table and check it out. I hope you'll text life group to 474747. I hope you'll take a next step like that girl did who wrote that on her card. I hope you will. Don't wait. There's life waiting for you. And if Jesus did it, so should we. Here's what's crazy about Jesus' life group. I told you they changed the world, the disciples. You know, you know they, not only they changed the world, but James, the guy we read out of today, the Bible, the, the, that book, Jesus' half-brother, same mom, different dads. He changed the world. Did you know that James didn't believe his brother was anything special? You, you, maybe some of you know that. You read John 7, you'll see that. He didn't believe he was anything special. Just his brother. 
and that's it. And they're talking about the Son of God and the Messiah and the miracle worker and James and the other brothers are like, he ain't nothing. It's our little brother. He's nobody. So what, what, what happened that James went from like not believing his brother was anything to like changing the world and becoming a leader of the first church in Jerusalem, which he was? A church that would point people to his brother. A church that would boldly preach about his brother. What, what the heck? James, just a couple months ago, you denounced your brother, calling him a nobody. And now a few months later, you're like the head of the church proclaiming your brother as something else? What the heck? What happened? Something must have happened. Something changed, James. I'll tell you what it was. Yeah, and by the way, what would your brother have to do to convince you that he was the son of God? My brother's a jerk. He'd have to do a lot. You know what I'm saying? I'm just kidding. If you're watching, I love you. So, <laughs> but what would he have to do? It's like my brother would have to like literally like die in front of me and come back to life. Interesting, I would say that. Jesus, this is going to be huge for somebody in this place. Jesus did just that. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, you remember we're messed up, right? We're born sinners. We talked about that. So Jesus, because of that, he goes to a cross and he carries it up a hill and he's crucified on it. The crucifixion didn't change James. He's probably sad about it. I'm guessing, gosh, your brother's getting murdered. He, I, I bet he was, it was a very sad day for him. It didn't change his thoughts about his brother. Did you know that? It didn't. It didn't. He didn't say, oh my gosh, my brother is something special. Nope. You know what he thought that day? He thought my brother's like the other thousands that have been crucified in Rome. That's what he thought. There are thousands of people that have been crucified for their rebellion against Rome. One man was crucified because of our rebellion against God. One man. The difference wasn't the crucifixion. They saw those all the time. The difference is what happened after the crucifixion. And some of you may know the story and some of you may not. I'm telling you something. A few days after Jesus hung on a cross and, and died for us, for you, I hope you own it for you, for you, for me. Women go to the tomb to anoint a dead body and Jesus isn't in the tomb. And they meet Jesus and they see Jesus and they realize that this is the Jesus that was dead on the cross, but he's no longer dead. They've seen a lot of crucifixions. They've never seen anything like this, ever. This doesn't happen unless you're who you said you were. Unless you're literally the son of God, that you are, you are God in the flesh, that you were dead and then you rose yourself three days later. But that, my friends, is exactly what happened. And because that happened, a brother named James was transformed forever. See, when your brother is dead and then he lives, you're going to change. This was the difference. This was the game changer. He knew his brother was the Alpha and the Omega, was the beginning and the end, was the first and the last, was light, was life, was love. He knew. And James went from not believing to leading an organization that would lead leaders to change the world called the local church. So if James 
believes it, would you believe it? And some of you, you maybe believe it, you just haven't surrendered to it. And this is what I'm asking as we close. Not only do I want you to text Life Group to 474747, but if, you, if you're understanding what I'm saying and the Lord is speaking to you, the Holy Spirit's moving in you, that you would believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he died on a cross. But that's, that's not anything that was too special. The special part was what happened three days later when he rose from the dead, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the devil. What do you mean defeating death? We die. Yep, you're going to die, and so am I. What we mean by defeating death is you will live again. This world is not your home. That's incredible news for you. That if you were taken out today, that we wouldn't want that, and we would grieve, but this world is not your home. And if you believe what I'm telling you about Jesus and the resurrection, you can be saved and know that you're going to live forever in heaven with Jesus and others that called on his name. This is the greatest news in the world. This is what I'm asking you to surrender to. This is where you can text, I choose Jesus, to 474747. If you're watching online or if you're in the room today, this is where you can grab a connect card. You can write, I'm choosing him. I'm making a decision for him. And maybe you've gotten off track and you're going to get back on track. Maybe you've never been on track and you're ready today. But I'm telling you, there is, doesn't matter who you connect with if you're not connected to Jesus. It, confession's still good, but unless you know the one who, who died for you, that's temporal too. It's all temporal. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Call on his name, the Bible says, and you will be saved. I love the gospel. I love it so much, and I pray that you'll surrender to it, whatever that looks like for your life. Some of you, for the confession piece of it, the prayer team's gonna be up here at the end of the worship song that we're gonna have in about 90 seconds and they wanna pray with you and for you. Some of you, you're gonna to confess to them something. They'll never say anything, not to me, not to anybody else. It's, it's a safe place. Some of you might not wanna do it up here. You'll go to the prayer room right back there, right through that drape, and you'll, they're, they're sitting back there too, anytime during the service or after. And you'll go talk to them and you'll confess to them that secret or that sin that's been holding you back. Confess it today, don't wait. This is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We'll rejoice when we confess because that's when the healing begins, amen? I'm gonna pray for you. I hope you know the Lord loves you. I hope you know how, how precious you were to Jesus. I hope you know that if you were the only one he ever created, if you were that first Adam and he never created Eve or anybody else, that he would have climbed up on a cross for you and said, hit me with the nails. If it was just you, he would do it again. That's how much the Lord loves you. Don't, don't let that event happen, that and the resurrection. Don't let that pass you by. Never accept the good news of Jesus. I'm giving you truth. I would never give you anything else. I love you too much. God loves you way more. Please surrender to that. Nothing is more important. And please consider connecting with others in a group. It will change you, I promise you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the word that's gone forth. I thank you for the lives that are being changed today. Connection and confession. It, we have to disconnect God to the things that, that aren't leading to life. That might be people. That might be a sin. That might be busyness or time that we're wasting. Help us disconnect this week and then connect with what really matters. People that want to love us. People that will care for us. A church that will continually guide me to my purpose. God, I pray people will flood the life group table. I pray that people will text life group to 474747. God, I pray it not because... Oh, we want to get a lot of numbers. I, God, numbers represent people. 
people that you died for, I want them to live their purpose, Father. I want nothing more for them to surrender to you and then live for you and live the reason that they were created. And you, you want that too, Father, I know that. God, I pray for the prayer team. I know that people are gonna come to them with some things today. And, and devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. You will not stop anybody from coming up and confessing to somebody what's going on in their life. And even if it never gets talked to about anybody else, they're confessing to a person because they desperately want healing. And God, I pray that no one will leave here until they have confessed what they need to confess to somebody so that you can do a work that only you can do. Father, your glory is amazing to me. Your grace is overwhelming. It covers all of our sins only by our faith though. Something's required of us. And by faith, we have to believe, well, we have to believe the story I just told about a, about a, a, a man named Jesus that went to a cross a man named Jesus that didn't stay dead, but rose. A man named Jesus, who if we call on his name, sets us free, not just today, but forever. A man that Jesus that boldly tells us that this earth, this temporal thing that is such a quick trip, is not where we were never made for a fallen world. That's why we're so messed up. Thank you, God, that this isn't our home. Thank you, God, that the best is yet to come. Thank you, God, that there's more beyond this world. Thank you, God, for those of us that we grieve the loss of loved ones and we know that they've called on your name, that we know that we get the opportunity to love them again, see them, um, see them again, and party in a place that we can't even fathom. Father, have your way. We will worship you. We will glorify you. And we'll never stop declaring that the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name I pray and we all say, Hey, thanks so much for watching today, but don't stop there. We want to invite you to be part of our Meadows family. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to our Meadows YouTube channel. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend. I encourage you. So many people are looking for hope and encouragement, and you and I have the ability to bring it to them. So again, thanks for watching, and God bless you.